It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! Looks like Shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. It is uh, a day late um, and it is also quite late in the evening as well. Um, I've got Matt on the phone again and today I say on the phone because we've had to dial into Zoom. We've had about 30 minutes of internet problems and all sorts of things but we got there technology hey mate how you doing yeah good thanks mate yeah no it's it's just classic technology isn't it that you 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 get everything set up you're all ready for the time that you you set to record and then everything seems to go wrong so um but we we, yeah. we we've managed to um cobble together something so um yeah so um hopefully the listeners um appreciate um the amount of hard work we've had to put in to do this so yeah that's how much that, that's how much um we love you so yeah and we've made sure that we can get a podcast out for you. <laughs> it's how much we care. Yeah, exactly. It, it really, really is. I mean, and I literally have no idea how this quality is going to be. It could sound like, I don't know, like the worst radio station in the middle of like Russia or something, you know, <laughs> with no, no connection to anything. Or it could be crystal clear because we're also recording locally, but who the hell knows? Yeah, I got that dreaded, um, well, unbeknownst to me, I got that dreaded text from Virgin saying that they're going to carry out essential works, no less, tonight, which is fantastic. But I realised that all too late. Could have rescheduled another time. But um, but there's a lot to talk about. It's there's, there's, It's been a very good weekend i think we can agree yeah. um and we've also got man united on on thursday which is you know worked out really well but um but just just i'm just going to add something on my day because i've had a particularly strange day and i don't want to waffle on too much you know like like i know that we often can and i often do but i just want to highlight my day right so so matt i went for a haircut today yeah which is something i've not done in a while and I've, i was desperate to do and, um, you know, I was, I was very explaining what I need to do and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but at the end of the haircut, a few things happened that were quite weird that I can't be bothered to go into, quite frankly. But <laughs> the, way, the main thing that happened is that this guy started... He, he, right, so he cut my hair, and then he lit this, like, I don't know, like, uh, it looked like a yo-yo, but at the end of the yo-yo, it was, it was on fire. Yeah. And he started flicking me with it. I was like, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, um, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, like, I've had that before. It's to do yeah. with your sideburns, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, and yeah, I've had it. The first time you have it, you do think it is a bit of a weird thing. You're just like, what is he doing? Why is he trying to burn my face? And you, you're sort of like, you're sort of trying to pull away, but it's just like I, I, I should sort of trust him since I'm in his chair. It's like this, like weird, like yeah. back and forth in your mind. It's just like he's put, he's he's um, like pointing fire at me, but he's also doing my hair as well. So like, it's just this weird sort of like conundrum that you've got to go through. But I, I have gone through it, so um, I know what you you mean but so is it a new hairdresser you went to then well that well that's the even weirder thing i went there a couple of weeks ago because i was moving to my flat um you know last month and uh yeah and it's, I'd, i've already been once and it was fine mm. you know it was pretty normal yeah and then this time but then so it wasn't even that i mean obviously that was the weird bit he explained it to me as he was flicking my ear with his flame i was like mate and he was like don't worry i'll get burned before you do and i was like that doesn't help i still <laughs> don't want to get burned <laughs> um uh, so anyway, but the uh, and and then he, he finished that. I was like, actually, it was actually quite a nice feeling, and I think he said it burns the ears off the soft hairs on your um, hairs on your ears. Yeah. 
And then he puts a towel completely around my face so I can't see anyone or anything. Yeah. And I was like, is this guy going to burn me again? What's he going to have more flames? He's going to bring out a flamethrower or a machete or something to do something crazy. Yeah. And then he starts massaging my arms and I just like burst out laughing. Yeah. Um, which I thought was hilarious. And I was just like, oh, God, what am I doing? Anyway, day goes on. Absolutely fine. I've just done boxing for the first time, which is very fun. Got myself a little class pass, <laughs> um, which is very good. And forgot the code um, on my bike lock. So I've had to get the bus home. So look, it's all happened. <laughs> uh, and then obviously I've got home late. I've had a shower and here we are. But look, um, it's all for the listeners. I will burn my ears for this podcast. <laughs> I think that's the crux of the story. Well, um, you you know, like um, in the, I, I know, I don't know if you like mention other podcasts, but in the, the Arse cast, um, the, what is it, J- mm. J- James Gunnerblog, he gets himself into very big injuries and it, it allows Arsenal to go on winning runs. So um, if Arsenal win against Manchester United, the listeners can thank you for burning your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen years, I think. Yeah. Um, you might be right in terms of, I don't think he scored against Arteta. I know Arteta had the best, yeah, so I know Arteta had the better of him, but he, he definitely never won, but yeah, he might never scored either, which is quite funny when you consider, because I, I think there was a graphic going around about the the team that beat um, Manchester United last year at Old Trafford, and my word, have we gone through a transformation, like, William started, Bella, like, we played back three, Willian started at right wing. Uh, Bellerin started at right back. We started Party and Elneny. We started Saka left wing back. It was Holding, Gabriel and Tierney as the centre backs. Like, just like completely different to what it is now. Like, we were like new defenders, like a bit of a new midfield. And obviously you got like a Smith row. And then we played Lacazette and a Babyang that day as well. So, um, yeah, so... Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, to be fair, you, every 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 time it struggles in a season, I feel like uh, any manager, it doesn't matter if it's Arteta, Emery or Wenger, they always go back to Lacazette and Aubameyang, so it's just like, oh, we have to play them both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think Arsenal need, I think we've lacked players who are, like, chaotic and fun for a while. Like, I think we've either had players who are not very good and not very exciting, or players who are exciting, but they're a bit more of this, like, 
sort of like uh, the modern football way of being exciting. Nuno Tavares is just like this, like he's, he, I think he, he's just like this whirlwind of a player. And I really appreciate how, like, cause it, he's completely raw and I get that, but like there's some of the things that he does, you just don't want him to like, you don't want them to go away. So like some like the shooting, I know a lot of people got annoyed, including myself. Like, I mean, the shooting in the first half was excessive but it's just like that sort of like you don't want to coach that out of him because it's just like I, I would rather him have those efforts and rather try ambitious things than people say no don't do that and him play it a bit safe so and like he's just so powerful and quick like he's just such a, a great player and the resp- and the mentality response as well I know a lot of people from Benfica were a bit on his mentality because he said something about the their left back and uh, um, and uh, the Benfica fans weren't very happy about it and but the mentality for him to have for him to have a pretty poor game against Liverpool at Anfield to come back into this game and do very very well like he he was very good especially in the second half it is testament to his character and uh, and I think. He, there is now a question and uh, about him if he's actually our first choice left back now. I think if he starts against Manchester United, I think he, there's no question he is. But I'm I, I'm pretty confident he will because I, I just don't think you can do it with Tierney like without getting any minutes. So so for him to come in for eight million and to, to come into the first team over someone who is as quality is as Kieran Tierney. It, it is pretty astonishing, and it's all credit to him. Yeah. 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 Um, I 
I was pleasantly surprised because from what we've known of Arteta, he has his guys and he trusts them a lot. And whenever they're fit, he usually plays them. And any sort of like excuse, it's not really an excuse, but any sort of reason that he can bring those guys back in, he will. And I thought there was a very easy reason for him to bring back uh, Tierney, especially. There was probably a question mark on Conga as well, because uh, as you stated, he did have a poor game against Liverpool as well, especially in the second half. Like, he had 10 minutes of like absolute like madness on the ball and he was just like he, he sort of lost the like his collective head like not in terms of like getting angry but in terms of like just that he lost all control on what he was doing and the, the, but the question was it, would Tavares start or would Tierney come in and I thought there was a real easy way for Arteta to bring him back in but he didn't and credit and, and all credit goes to the manager because that is an inspired decision he basically said like and that's a massive show of faith, and it benefits the player Tavares much more than it could ever hope for him to do. Because like now it's just like you've had a poor performance, but I still believe in you, and that's so mm. crucial for a young player, especially because again, young player, it, it could have been easy for him, but he chose to play him, and it it shows a lot of. A, a lot of balls to do that really and I think Mikel Arteta has been criticised a lot of the time for taking the safe option and, and to be honest it, it's been rightly um, rightly criticised but I think this season he's definitely shown that he's willing to take a risk with his team lineups. I mean you look no further than the Norwich game after the first three games where we lost he completely changed it up mm. brought Tommy Asu in who had been in the country for like less than a week and brought Ben White and Gabriel in, he brought, like, he brought Odegaard in, like, these were, like, players that he, he would bring in, and he's just, like, he just thought, screw it, like, I'll do it, like, Ramsdale came in as well, it was just, like, but Leno hadn't really done anything wrong, but no, Ramsdale's my guy, I'm going to bring him in, and that shows real bravery from the manager, and he, and I, I like that as well, so the Tavares sub, I, I, again, I was, I was surprised by his selection, but I was... Like, I was happily surprised because it was sort of the thing where it was just like, yeah, you're, you're backing your player, and I like that in a manager. Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we can. it's very, very easy to say now. Yeah. But um, I, I, I did question it at, at the time, and I, I, was, I was very pleased for Tavares, and I was very pleased for Arteta, and I was pleased for the game set. I mean, I was at the game, and... and Oh, did the fans love him? Like he is an exciting player. Gets yeah. you off his feet. You off your feet, you know. And um, I think one of the the things I guess um, that I really liked about Arteta doing this was that historically, he if, if somebody's been playing well, let's say holding Marie, I think last season had really good spells. Yeah. Um, you know, in hindsight, we, we know that wasn't going to last long, but he does run a meritocracy to a point. Yeah. Or has done, um, you know. If it, that has happened a lot, particularly in defence last season. However, and it happened with Lacazette for a bit. But what I did find with that is that Arteta did. He, he, he they were always one bad game away from being dropped. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I believe in you. It's like well, if you have a bad game, you're going to be dropped. So I'm going to believe you up. You, I'm going to you know keep you in the team because you're playing well. But it only takes one bad game. Yeah. And. Nuno Tavares, I, I, I still don't think had a terrible game last week. He just made a couple of mistakes, one very big one, um, which is obviously very crucial, of course, when you're a defender. But I, 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 so, so I was really happy that this is a marker saying, this is my player. I signed this guy. 
Yes, he's a backup yeah. left back, but I think we've all been very surprised with the skills he brings. And sure, he's a bit of a nutcase up top, but you know he gets into positions that he, to the Kieran Tierney doesn't, and particularly against the bottom of the side, bottom of the table. If you want somebody that's going to be running both inside and outside, causing chaos, running running past people. Yeah. Um, I mean, that pass for the second goal was just out of this world. So, he, he, yeah, really, really pleased for him and, 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 and pleased for, for Arteta. Um, yeah. I, I do have a sneaky suspicion. Oh, actually, I don't want to go into that too much, but I do get a sneaky suspicion he might be the number one for the near future. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess we can get, there's a few questions about that, so we can, we can sort of get into that. But, um, but yeah, very, very good from, from, from Nuno, like, hugely impressed but um how did you find the game in general then i suppose moving beyond just nuno um so i think we started quite poorly i think the first 40 minutes we were very slow it took and i think arteta referenced that in the in the post-match press conference as well he said that and he specifically targeted Mm. the the two centre-backs for um, moving the ball up very slowly and I think for the first 40 minutes we were quite slow I think we had one real effort on target I think um which was the Odegaard free kick which was a good free kick um yeah, but um, but like maybe just needed to curl it outside. So, but apart from that, we didn't really threaten. There was obviously the sack chance which Lukonga set up, who was another player who had a really good game as well. I thought Lukonga was very very good against Newcastle. Um, it was a lovely pass, and uh, Saka just he was stretching to get it. But I, I guess, but then. After the 40th minute till the end of the game, I think we, we played pretty well and we started to up the tempo and get more into it, and uh, we, we, which is what we needed to do. Obviously, Aubameyang had that horrendous miss after the the Saka, um, Saka ball to Smith-Rose and he headed it straight to the keeper. But yeah, I, I still don't know how Aubameyang yeah. missed because it's not like one of those where like he sort of like mishit it or he's taken a bobble. No, he's, he's had a lot of time and I think... Uh, he will be having nightmares about that miss, but um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, like but the the second half, I think we performed very well, and I think we deserved our win after that. And it, I, if there was one nitpick from me for in terms of the win, I would have liked us to go for more goals. But that's just a nitpick from me because I like uh, I've grown up with Arsenal scoring many many goals and. And I, I just want, yeah. I want them to score four or five. I don't want them to rest at 2-0. And it always seems like when we go ahead and get one or two goals that we sort of um, step off a bit and sort of give the other team a bit more respect. And I don't, I, I, I would prefer us to go for the like jugular sort of thing and go for three to four goals. But that's just me personally. Mm. But um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed the game. Like the Newcastle, like Newcastle were not a threat at all, and uh, we were better than them. And these are the games that we should be winning. If we keep winning these games that we're winning at home, we will definitely be up and around the top six, if not the top four. Yeah, I agree. It's it's um it's it's interesting. I see what you say. Like, I, so I I did feel it was flat in the stadium. There's something about a twelve thirty kickoff. Yeah. Um, it's it's never that exciting, and I I don't really remember us ever doing that well. I, I honestly, for the last couple of times, it's happened a few times this season. And I look at the games. It happened with Leicester, and it happened with us, and I'm like, I just don't see us winning it. And because I've got that 
underlying feeling that I know that I've seen this before. We're going to go somewhere flat. It's going to be away. It's going to be wet. It, just all of those things. And uh, I, I did think that translated to the players a little bit, or even they were feeling it themselves. I don't know, whatever. But I did feel it was a bit like we're going through the motions. The stadium's a bit flat. Um, you know, everyone's sort of still digesting their breakfast, that sort yeah. of thing, you know. And whilst the beers were flowing, but it really took until the second half to warm up. And I, I must say that as soon as they came out in the second half, they, they looked fired up, and as did the fans. Yeah. I think they knew there was kind of this mutual, perhaps, understanding that, that we needed something a bit here. Um, I was never really in doubt. I, I, I don't think I was ever worried. Sorry. Um, I was never really worried at all. I don't. I didn't feel like they had any threat apart from a couple of long balls over the top. Yeah. Um, I thought St. Maxim, well, I've seen him underrated quite highly, um, you know, with bad ratings throughout the game. But yeah. Particularly, uh, you know, in the first half, I, uh, the way he looks live, like the way he can touch the ball and get around people, I suppose... He just looks so dangerous, even when he's not in a dangerous position. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, they, they, they really offered nothing. So I wasn't too worried. But, um, yeah, and, and I know what you mean about going for the jugular. I do. I do. And I, I actually seem, you know, my opinion of the game was that I think we tried. Yeah. Um, and if you think about, you know, you listed the opportunities that we had there and you can add the penalty at the end, which I think should have been a penalty. Um, I appreciate there's some debate around that. You know, I think you can really... You know, that Aubameyang taps that ball in yeah. or scores his one-on-one or Saka when he slips through, which is actually a bit more of a harder chance, you know, actually just pops it in the corner or, you know, at the end we get the penalty, it could easily be three or four or five yeah. and um, we're looking at a very different game and, and, and those were all good chances. That's not, you know, we had a pot from outside the box and we don't really know. Yeah, it's, um, yeah I, th- I thought it was comfortable and for a, for a, certainly for a Saturday lunchtime, I'd, I'd definitely take it. Um, but uh, the... There's a few, a couple of talking talking points I've sort of got written down that I thought would be just worth mentioning. But um, I mean, firstly, I mean, how how good was Saka? I mean, he, oh, he really yeah. felt like he was the kind of, he was just the impetus and everything. And I, I was almost calling for him to perhaps get a rest, him or Emil Smith Rowe. I would have happily rested just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the way he came out, he everything seemed to go through him. It seemed like he was going to be the one getting in between the lines, stretching the defence, floating between left and right. And, you know, whenever he's near Emile Smith-Rowe, it just seems to be electric, right? And, um, yeah, so, and he had that chance. I think Lokongo, who who we barely mentioned, had an absolutely outstanding game, which I thought was another good decision from Arteta to play him after what was a very poor performance for the first five minutes of the second half of the Liverpool game. So he seemed, you know completely shell-shocked and it was really brave and a really good decision not that I would have necessarily started a mainsy mate Niles but um but yeah great pass and then Saka just sort of mishits it but he seemed he, he was going to be the one to score if oh. anyone was going to you right? <laughs> yeah yeah um are you okay there <laughs> y- yeah 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 no I'm 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 I'm, I'm fine yeah no um uh, yes, yeah, Saka was the most likely one to score for us, I think. And it, it, there was that dribble at the start of the second half, which he beats two players. Like, and it's just such a great dribble. And he, and the sh- shot was maybe just needed to be a bit more convincing. And we're talking about that as an outstanding goal. But he looked really on it. 
in the second half, especially in the first mm. half, he looked good. And I think a lot of people have, uh, have rightly said that he's not looked himself this season and he's had a bit of a, a Euros hangover, which I completely get. But I think he's starting to come in his own now. He's had a few good performances now, quietly good performances he had. I thought against Watford, I, I thought Danny Rose couldn't live with him the whole game. I thought he was really good that game. And the Spurs game as well, he was very good, uh, as was everyone really. But... Um, but this one was probably his best performance of the season, and he's and it's a really important time to come into your own and to come into the performances, and it's, it's just those young players again that like are doing it for us. It's just, like if you if you, like I don't want to criticise any players after a really solid win that we had on the weekend, but if you're thinking oh well, who were the players that maybe weren't up to scratch? You you're talking about Abamyang and Party, the, the the two players who mm. who are the the the, the the leaders, if you will, or the older statesmen in, in the side. Whereas you're just talking about all the younger players like Tavares, Tommy Asu had a really good game, Martinelli off the bench, Saka, Smith Rowe, Lukonga, like all these players had really good games. Ramsdale, obviously, he, I mean, his save against Shelby was. Oh, what a Yeah, save. it was outstanding and these are players that you you do, that are young players but now are starting to become our best players and that's only a good thing because when they're young and they're already at this level they are only going to get better and that's just going to be better for us in the long run yeah i couldn't agree more it's um that's interesting to say that actually i hadn't really taken that too much in consideration but i'm actually thinking about both goals and pretty much all the chances apart from the two Aubameyang ones like I mean that was all people under the age of 21 22 wasn't it really I mean there was what Tavares, Saka and Emile Smith-Rowe on the left for the first goal and then the second goal was was Tommy Asu up to up to Martinelli and I mean everybody there that team is under you know of a certain age so you know only only very good things to be excited about there and I, I actually it is interesting that you mentioned Abamyang Partey. Yeah. Um I I thought Abamyang I thought Partey was really poor uh, on the day. I, yeah. I I was really shocked. His passing was way off. And I've heard a few people, you know, have slightly different opinions. I, I, again, when you're you're at the game, it, you, you get a very a very different sense to perhaps like when you're watching on television, it's easy to be more analytical and I, yeah. I should really watch it back, but but um I, and obviously he does very good things for our midfield in a very different way. You know, I had an interesting take on it to say that he was given a slightly different role to perhaps let Sam Conga do a, a little bit more and be the guy that passes it a bit more. But it did seem the party's passing was way off. And, and that was the first time I was a little bit worried. But again, he's coming back from injury. He's still a Rolls-Royce midfielder. Yeah. He's still going to make us better in the long run if he can stay fit. So I do still get the sense that he's a bit of a 60 to 70, perhaps 80 minute midfielder. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure he can really take us any further, but where do you... I mean, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on, on party at the moment? See, I... Because... I, I think people have rightly questioned him and the fee that he's coming for and if we've got that type of money. I mean, the honeymoon period is, is totally over with him. You, you have one season, really, grace from the fans, and then you if you, you're not performing the next season, then you're sort of questioned. And I think it's right f- for him to be questioned, because I think the money that we paid for him, and remember, it was up front. It wasn't like any of these instalments that we do. It was up front. And I, you, you, you can question, like, that some of it hasn't been his fault in terms of, like, injuries. That's not 
to blame him. Um, but he uh, he hasn't. He's had some really good games. The Manchester United one at Old Trafford last year um, was one that I can think of where he was really really good. But th- they are the ones that have come few and far between. It's not like the bad performances are the ones that are rare. It's the good ones mm. and. When you see something like that Manchester United performance, you want to see it every week. And when you don't, you get disappointed. And I think the last two games, he has been disappointed. And remember, he has just come back from an injury as well. So, um, yeah. So I don't know if he's completely 100% fit. And who knows if he's been fit the entire time here. And it's very odd because it's a very odd situation because he obviously came in with no injuries and then comes to Arsenal and gets the Arsenal curse, if you will, and then gets all these injuries. So, um, yeah, in terms of the Newcastle game again, I agree. I agree with you. I, I, I don't think he was the best. I thought his passing was way off. I think he was quite poor. Um, you just expect him to be able to pass in between the lines. Um, between the midfield, uh, basically to get into Odegaard quicker, and he wasn't doing that, and um, that was a shame. And it it looks it looked like he was playing a lot more of the safe passes, and Lokonga was being a bit more brave with the ball. And I usually usually you would expect the younger player to be less brave and the more experienced player to be more brave, and it was the other way round. So I still back him to come good because I think he's such a quality player. And maybe Old Trafford against a, a midfield, which are not very good, if we're going to be honest. Um, Manchester United's midfield are very poor. Maybe that's a game that he can really dominate that that centre of the pitch and uh, and really start to click into form ahead of a busy period. Yeah, I mean, we should look to. We really should look to. I think we can dominate. When, as soon as you get behind Bruno Fernandes, it does look particularly with the injuries they've got, a bit suspect. But we'll get into that, into, I guess, in a moment. But, yeah, he's he seems to just not be connected to the rest of the team, and that could be an injury thing. I, I think Erdegaard's been out of the team a bit, and, and he looked quite rusty. Yeah. And that connection, particularly when they're fizzing it into the line, where it's, you know, between the lines, where it is usually a Lacazette, a Saka, and Erdegaard, like, it just... They just did look a little bit out of sync, and I can't help but think, and I'm going to say the Voldemort word here, that I think... Somebody like Xhaka, and I think obviously Xhaka at the moment is really going to help it yeah. because just to do the dirty work, that solid defensive midfielder that lets the other person yeah. uh, do the passing and, and do anything that's progressing forward and is happy to be that person. You know, I think we are a, a, a proper CDM away and a good striker away from being a, a, a really good team. Yeah. Like a really, really good team. So there's all that to come. Um, and... I'm not too worried about Erdogan. There's a lot of stuff going around social media at the moment. Well, in fact, do you ever do you ever get the feeling that you end up only seeing the social media posts that are supporting someone like Odegaard? Yeah. And all of the all of them are saying like, "Oh, I can't believe people are saying that Odegaard's not going to be good or something." When really it's been like two tweets, and there's about a thousand or four thousand tweets that yeah. are saying he's actually good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That are in response to that. But so, uh, my opinion is he's going to be a class, class player for, for, for Arsenal. And I think he he needs to be in the right system. I think he is a technically kind of a number 10 in a sense, I think, historically. Yeah. Um, which is a slightly dying position, I think. Um, you know, you, you don't see it as often, like, the, uh, you know, that, that kind of level. And I think maybe he could be a bit more of a David Silver or a Bernardo Silver playing off the right or, you know, coming inside yeah. rather than 
being that central one, if if you know these four three threes or four four twos are going to come back, yeah, we're going to need more eights. I don't see him as that. But uh, I thought this was a game for him, and I, and I think he did under you know under deliver a bit. I don't think he was bad, but he wasn't like any good. Yeah. Um, but I'm not worried. I, I don't know what you think. I I I, I Odegaard is one of my favourite players at Arsenal, and just because. I, it's, it's really dangerous falling in love with a player when they're on loan, but that's what I did with him, and and so I really appreciate his quality. And yes, he's had some poor games this season, and but um, this Newcastle game it wasn't as bad as some people were saying. Uh, and remember, he's just this was his first start in what a month. Like he's going to be like rusty, and I get that, and. Uh, but I, I've been I, I've been calling for him to start for for a good two three games now because I think yes Lacazette has done very well in the role that he does but I just don't think long term that's the that should be a role that Lacazette is in one because Lacazette's out of contract in the summer and he's not going to be staying and two I just don't think he's a very good player in that position even I think in terms of like hustling and bustling like he's very good at that but in terms of like is it like if we lose control in a game and you want someone to keep hold of the ball and have like be technical like have some technical security i just don't think he's that and it's a lot to burden the creative force on a mill smith row and bakayo saka so you need another one especially without someone like Granit Xhaka who can progress the ball forward. And uh, I'm not the biggest Granit Xhaka fan, but uh, I I can appreciate his quality in that. So Odegaard, for me, would always start, unless he's like... Like, I get why he was dropped, but, like, Mm -hmm. he, he would always start in my team because he's someone who just... He's technically above everyone else and in a team where... Uh, then there's not many technical leaders on the pitch. It's not like the old Wenger teams. We need one of him on the pitch pretty much most of the time. Yeah, definitely. And I, I he's got a very big future. Yeah, um, and that's very exciting. I, I, I personally see the the dream formation or whatever you want to call it, or the dream midfield as as a as a Xhaka, Odegaard, and then a party or Sambi because I do like Sambi and I do like the way he he does things. Yeah. But I do think he's more party like, far more party like than he is Xhaka like. But I do think we need that, and, and I think we should go into the transfer market for someone who will replace Xhaka. An upgrade would be absolutely fantastic in that area. Um, yeah, and I see that that's the way it's going, and I think Sambi deserves, you know, a starting place at the moment for sure. But 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 at least a rotating place with Party when Xhaka's back. So, you know, you've got Afcon. I think he can really stamp his place down and. You know, we are probably going to see a, a Xhaka, a, um, a Xhaka, Sambi, Odegaard midfield at that time. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think, yeah, but Sambi was absolutely class. He looks absolutely fantastic. And, and you know, again, what a signing. I and mean, every day goes by that suddenly Edu looks like Edu and Arteta looking like absolute geniuses. And, and yeah, you know, they've outs- outsmarted the market. All of our signings, I mean... From Tomiyasu, Ramsdale, who all of these players we were getting laughed at, absolutely laughed at, and it's it's really nice to see. Yeah. Um, so the just, I mean, I, I kind of just wanted to touch on. I just want to say Ramsdale was amazing. I actually thought White was fantastic. Yeah. Not the biggest test I'll ever get, but Ramsdale made a world class day. I think that was kind of obvious, and I don't want to go too much into that. But the two other talking points I thought would be good to talk about was 
Aubameyang. Yeah. Uh, and Martinelli. Yes. Um, so Aubameyang, another big XG game. You know, he's he's a low touch player. Um, he's a player that he gets into good positions and then he scores the goals, and that's what we praise him for. Yeah. Um, he got two chances. The one that we're all talking about is the blaring miss. Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka down the left, and then Emil Smith-Rowe gets it in. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, Emil Smith-Rowe heads it, and then obviously it comes to him, and I cannot get around how he's missed it. He's caught in two yeah. lines. The defender's come across. Instead of just basting it in, he's just... Like, and, and that's that that can happen, and I'm not really worried about that because that was just a crap kick of the ball, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like... Of all the things Aubameyang is going to be declining on, I don't think that's the thing I'm worried about because, like, the way he can kick a ball, I'm sure, isn't really going to change all the way up until he's 40 yeah. it, from two yards. The, the the one that worried me, but also pleased me, pleased me in the sense that Emil Smith-Rowe's ball to Aubameyang to slip him through was Fabregas-esque, and I think that's something that he's not missed. He's not, not got, yeah. but he's not, like, one of his top specialities and I just think those fast moving yeah. little passes delicately through the lines is is you know not something we really have apart from Odegaard and I think that was an unbelievable pass so but what, what worried me personally I think is the the way that's the kind of that is the finish he used to get to right yeah. he would be flying past the offside line and he will just clip it past the keeper and he did look a little bit slow it was a good pass yeah you know, it's very difficult to tell from from one chance in particular. But when you look across, you know, the this again, I, I feel sorry for him saying decline. But you know, naturally, he's not really a running in behind player as much anymore. But how many times have you seen him in a one on one situation? I mean, really, not that often. Yeah, back to systemic as well. He's getting less chances and all that sort of stuff. But he's, he seems to be a you know a penalty box player. He's not really someone that's running in behind. So that that was the thing that upset me the most. But I guess it's just how we continue on with that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Or, or how do you see us using Aubameyang? Or, or, or perhaps even how do you see us integrating Martinelli to replace so, that? So with the Aubameyang situation, he's always someone I would start as, if, as long as we don't have a new striker in. Just because I think he's more likely to get a goal even if he's not playing well yeah. than Lacazette is. And as much as Lacazette offers so much in terms of his all-round play. I just don't think in terms of being in the box scoring goals, Lacazette is as good as Aubameyang. And that's all. And when you have a team where you don't score many goals, then you need someone who you you're, you can rely on. And I know Aubameyang has declined, uh, but uh, he's someone who I'm still back to get goals. Now... That's the first chance he misses, the the glaring miss, he he's someone who has historically missed those big chances. Like if you look at his Arsenal career He's had a few. Yeah, he's had a few in his Arsenal career. I think the there was one against Liverpool that I can remember off the top of my head. There was the the Olympiacos one where we got knocked out of the Europa League where he puts it wide and which was a really bad one. And like a lot of them are bad and but they can happen. 
I would rather hit. You just got to give him more chances and more and more volume. He's never been someone who's mm. been a prolific striker. I think, in terms of like finishing, I think Lacazette's a better finisher than him. But in terms of getting volumes of chances and getting high quality chances, that's always what he's been, and that's what always what he will be doing. He's a penalty box striker, like you said. The second chance, the Millsmith Road through ball, did worry me because it was just like he looks leggy there and that mm. worried me because it was it, it was just like you needed a split second more pace and it's just like does he get on the ball last year does he get on the ball the end of that ball the year before you probably think he does and that's worrying and it's just like that's where you can see the decline and i think we'll sign a striker no matter what in the summer next year yeah um but it's just a shame that it's like he is declining, and I guess that that brings up the question about the contracts. But I, I mean, I was someone who wanted him to stay, but I guess um, that's just me being sympathetic. The club also made that decision, so we've got to live with it. Um, the Martinelli thing—he looked great when he came on, and it was very interesting that he came on. He did on on the right, and not Nicola Pepe, and. Um, I really liked that because I'm a massive Martinelli fan. I think a lot of Arsenal fans are. It's not to knock Nicola Pepe, but I think if you want one player to fulfil their potential and basically be an incredible player, I think most people would say Martinelli. Obviously, you've got Smith-Rowe and Saka, but they're already very good players anyway. But if you want someone who's who's fun and scores goals and such, Martinelli's your guy. And I don't think many people, too many people are talking about the goal. It's an outstanding goal. Like, the ball from Tommy Asu is amazing he makes it easy for him the keeper obviously comes out so it makes it a bit easy but the technique on it is fantastic and i love that goal and not a lot of people are talking about it it's a very very good goal and the like any volley is good but he watched it the whole time and got and executed it to perfection and it was a it was it was fantastic and and now, obviously, he came on for Saka, who got injured, and hopefully Saka's okay. But if Saka is not available for Old Trafford, you're going for Martinelli on the right. You're not going for Nicola Pepe, and that's and that's something. I think even a week ago, you I don't think you would have said, which is credit to Martinelli and the impact he made off the bench. I mean, Martinelli's goal was absolutely world class. I mean, there was a Ronaldo goal for Juventus. I can't remember who he scored against. I think it was against Manchester United. Yeah, I think it was against Manchester United. Was it against United? Yeah, I think it... It was identical. Yeah. And that was plauded as, like, one of the best goals in the Champions League ever, all that sort of stuff. And, like, Martinelli has just gone and done exactly the same thing, having just come on 90 seconds later. And he, you know... Oh, it was unbelievable. It was it was really really class. I think there just are so many talking points around the whole Martinez situation. Yeah, the Pepe, the Aubameyang, that sort of stuff. We kind of get wrapped up in in tactically what this means, and I think it'd be bare bones of just that individual skill and how much he was actually yeah. causing in Newcastle. To, you know, the defense a terrible time. I think that he was really good on the day. And um, yeah, you raise an interesting point about the Pepe thing. I think the answer is we've we've seen everything we've need to see from Pepe he's been here for over two years now and he's been good at points but he's also very very inconsistent and clearly doesn't fit into a system does his own thing 
he's this unbelievably yeah. talented player that no one can really place. Um, you know, I've never really seen anyone play the way that Nicola Pepe plays. Yeah. And whilst that can be a massive strength for him, it seems to be in this Arsenal team at least like a, certainly a big weakness. And when you've paid that much for him, I feel like you know they're going to sell him if they can at some point and just cut the losses. You know, or he's going to come and do what Nicola Pepe does and have a really good second half of the season. Who knows? But yeah, we're, we're going to need him. You know, like he is yeah. still just behind that player on the bench, and we've got a hell of a lot of games coming up. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be used, and it's it's up to him to take the chance. I think fundamentally, and look, it looks like Saka, touch wood, isn't going to be injured, but like he could well be injured. He came off the other day, yeah, um, against Newcastle, which we haven't even mentioned, which is very worrying. And I don't know who would replace him in that sense. I think Nicola Pepe probably makes more sense. Yeah. Um, particularly against United, where I do think we're still going to be playing a, t- a counter-attacking game. Yeah, if we, you know, but so, so we'll see. But again, so shout out to to about to Martinelli, who uh, I'm sure is listening. Yeah, <laughs> for being obviously so good. Hi, Gabby. I'm really excited about what he can bring. Yeah. <laughs> the last one I want to say is Tommy Asu, great player, yeah. playing really well, solid defensively. Got forward a bit more, great pass um, for the goal, and I thought looked great throughout the whole game. Anything to add to that, really? I mean, I, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a few more things to discuss, I suppose, for, for Manchester United, and I'd be keen to know how we, we, yeah, we deploy like, I mean, yeah, Tom, uh, about, just a quick mention on Tom, on Tommy Asu. Like, I think he was a great... Yeah, like, I, I think in terms, yeah. uh, in terms of Tommy Asu, I, I think he was a, a, a great... He had a great game that game, and he he was good, solid at the back, but also quite good going forward, which is something that you wouldn't always say about him. And again, he was someone who didn't have the best game against Liverpool, and uh, uh, he's responded well, and he's looked very consistent for the most part, and just a uh, uh, cut above the rest really in in terms of that position. Yeah, yeah, he's looking more and more every signing that we, you know, every part of the signing we ever hoped we could get never mind thought we were getting I had no idea that he was going to be that good I thought it was a bit of a risky signing it was on the last day I didn't know much about him yeah. we were getting laughed at by Sky Sports and all this and he's arguably arguably one of been one of our best signing most consistent signing from the start yeah. I know Ben White had a slightly dodgy first game <laughs> but that's kind of it um, I think Ben White's been unbelievable since then Ramsdale arguably maybe up there as well so we're very blessed to have, for, for all the signings so far from a very short, you know, small sample size. They're all performing exceptionally. So, um, last point on this game, penalties. So, Erdegaard dragging down Wilson, I believe, and then I think Lascelles brought down Martinelli. Yeah. Um, we'll start with Erdegaard one. Penalty, no penalty? I think it's no penalty. Uh, I think it was more of a penalty than the Callum Wilson one where he was through on goal. Um, but... I think if you give that as a penalty, I think you're giving pretty much a penalty every game. So um, it's probably no I penalty. Agree. I agree. No penalty to that one, then no penalty to the Wilson one because well, shoulder to shoulder, the Wilson one. Yeah. Um, and Erdegaard, I mean, pff, I, it's one of those that, like, yeah, like you say, there's 15 penalties a game if you give him that. He didn't really drag him down. He sort of tugged him a tiny, tiny bit, mm. like so lightly. But put it this way, it wasn't enough force to bring any yeah. any man down. Um, I thought the Lascelles one on Martinelli, the shoulder to the face, was 
I thought a straight red card. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I think that was a penalty. And it, it, mm. at first, you you didn't think of any of it. You thought he just got out muscled off the ball, but then you see it, and it, it looked very nasty. And it could have given him a concussion. We don't know. It might have gave him a concussion, and, and because of how dangerous it was, and. Uh, uh, <sighs> I know that there's the debate about Martinelli being shorter, so he's trying to go into his shoulder barge, but it's just like he, he do, like he looks like he's going to try and outmuscle off the ball no matter what, and it's clumsy, it's mm. reckless. If if it was anywhere else on the pitch, it's probably a foul. So, like, um, exactly. yeah, so it should have been a penalty and probably a red card. I agree with you. I, I like. I think. You know, on the arse cast, they made a really good point. They didn't quite finish it, which I'm, I'm keen to sort of extend. But they, you know, in rugby, that's a red card. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is rugby. Yeah. Like, if you do that, shoulder to the face, guess what? You're, you're off, mate. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the, 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 the argument about Martinelli being shorter is a silly one because, quite frankly, he could have... You know, you, you know how short someone is when you're going in with a shoulder. Yeah. You're aiming for the shoulder. And if you mistime it and you get someone's face, that's your fault. Yeah. The, if, if you want to argue that he was on his way down very quickly, so it was difficult for LaSalle to move out of the way, yeah. if we use the rugby, and I look, I really appreciate it's not rugby, and I'm very aware of that, but if you use that as an example, like in rugby, it, if that happens, you still get the penalty, but you just don't get sent off because there are mitigating circumstances. Yeah. And I don't believe there were mitigating circumstances in this. I believe that he's gone on full force, aiming for the shoulder, and he's just missed it. Um, I think it's dangerous play, but even if you do believe that, I still think it should be a penalty and then perhaps no card if you do think there are mitigating circumstances. You know? okay. So it's dangerous. It's super, super, super dangerous. And, you know, I sometimes do feel we don't get protected in that way. But um, cool. Uh, we'll do Man United yeah. for two minutes and see what we think. All right, we've got Man United away. They haven't got their German manager yeah. uh, yet. It's, Car- it's Carrick at the wheel still. <laughs> Uh, God, such a shame. I was really enjoying Ollie at the wheel. Yeah. But, um, so we've got Carrick at the wheel. Ronaldo's been rested against Chelsea. They haven't really got a back four. I believe their back four is Tellez, Lindelof, um, Bay at the moment because um, Varane and Maguire still. No, is Mag- that right? Maguire, is Maguire is available now. Um, he's served his suspension. Okay. Well, then we've got. Well, we got what? So Aaron Wambazaka. So it's not a great back four. And then is Pogba still out? Yes, Pogba's still out. So it's called it's Matomini and Fred. So that's their back six. Yeah. It's not looking strong. What's in front of that, I think, is 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 significantly better than maybe not significantly better, but than probably anyone else in the Premier League in personnel. I've got a sneaky feeling they'll start Cavani, and if they do that, I'm I'm nervous. Is he? Wait, no. Is he? He's not injured, is he? Who, uh, say that again. So, uh, who, um, C- Greenwood. Cavani's not injured, is he? No, um, no, I don't. I, no, I don't think he is injured. I think he just hasn't been playing. No. Yeah, I, I will see what happens. But, but I think long and short of it is, I think they're going to have a great attack, and I think we might be able to match it. I think we'll concede though, but I think we'll match it generally throughout the match. And I think if we can just get through their quite average defence, yeah, you know, with all their injuries, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, who would you play? Go on, let's let's do this. Okay, so Ramsdale in goal. Um, Tommy Asu, yep. White, Gabriel. I'm going. Ah, oh, oh, that's tough at left back. Ah, mm. oh, um, do you know what? 
I'm going to go Nuno Tavares. Um, mm. Just because I think he can get down that flank. I know wan is a good one a one-on-one defender, but I think he hasn't been that good this season, and I think he could really cause some problems down there. And he offers a bit of variety as well. He goes inside and out. I don't think Tierney does that as much. It's a really good problem to have, but, yeah, I would go Tavares here. Mm. He's pretty much cemented his his first-choice status in this point. Um, Midfield. I agree. Party. And so if you asked me a week ago, I would have gone Ainsley Maitland-Niles. At Old Trafford, uh, no matter what mm. happened, but Lukonga's performance was so good against Newcastle, I might go with him. So, um, yep. Party and Lukonga, and then the front four. So, if Saka's fit, Saka plays, but if Saka isn't fit, then it's Martinelli. Mm. And then, obviously, Smith Rowe on the left. I think he. What I would do is I would play Odegaard and Aubameyang. What I think Arteta will do is play Lacazette and Aubameyang. So, yeah. Um, I, I, that's the they're the only calls really. If Saka's fit, it makes or Saka's injured. The decision is pretty simple. It's more about Odegaard or Lacazette or Tierney or Tavares. They're the real two big selection things. And I think it will be Tavares and, and Lacazette, even if I would go with Odegaard. Yeah, I, I, I'd go Tavares. I think he deserves it. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that even the, the way he attacks give us gives, gives us a great form of defence because, you know, whoever's on that right-hand side, whether it's Sancho, whether it's, you know, Ronaldo or, you know, coming across or whatever it is, Rashford, Greenwood. Yeah. That's pace. Yeah. All of that is pace. And Ronaldo is a beast, you know, and I think that's going to be something we need. And the way he gets forward is going to pin them back, is going to make them think twice because they're not going to be able to leave their position. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think being too defensive away from home can, you know, give you lack of options up top, but also in- invites opposition to come onto you a little bit more. Um, so I think I'd like to see Tavares, and I think he deserves it. Yeah, and I, I would play Lacazette, I think. Yeah. Uh, the reason is because is I think he'll empty the tank for 60 minutes and I'd like to see Odegaard come on on the 60 minutes yeah. and see what he can do. Um, I think they'll share it either way. So it's it's one starts, one the other. Yeah. They, I think there's an argument to say even bring up, out that attacking player and do three in the middle of the park. Maybe a more traditional 4-3-3 with Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe picking, pushing up and maybe doing like an El Nenny or a, or a you know, Ainsley Martin-Niles more realistically. But... I don't. I wouldn't do that. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if. Well, I would be surprised. But I. I. I would think that's. I guess an alternative. Yeah. Formation and defensive way of playing against someone who's probably going to be quite good. Um. Okay. Who was your man of the match from Newcastle? Oh, good question. Um. Lukonga. L- mm. I think Lukonga was my man of the match. I thought he was really good on the ball. I thought he was. Yeah, he was just comfortable on the ball. Some of his passing he was doing was good carried the ball very well. It was just a performance where I was really impressed by him and some and if you look at his stats he looked very, very good. So I was really impressed by Lakonga, so he's my man of the match. Yep. Yeah, I, I had him and Sambi down, so I'm gonna go Sambi. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Nuno. Um, yeah, Nuno. He went Sambi. Yeah. But it's it's just it's just so good because, you know, these are the two players that were 
found it difficult against Liverpool yeah. and that people were questioning and because of their age, because of their performances. Sambi had a mad five minutes at the same time Nuno did. And, you know, I, th I think it's just credit to them to come back and, and for everyone to be talking about them as the people that made it happen this weekend. I think they deserve yeah. it. So Nuno for getting me off the edge of my seat and for, quite frankly, being an absolute nutcase, which I really enjoyed. So, um, dick of the day, have you got a dick of the day? Oh, um, dick of the day. Um... I can I can go with one before yeah, you yeah uh, you before you go to yours you, you go first okay so uh, my dick of the day is a meme page called that that guy's jokes um, I don't know if you follow okay. them on Instagram but quite frankly they're one of the best meme pages around they they're very silly um, however I was very let down I don't know if you've noticed this but I'm pretty sure it's these guys that started them they've got like a million followers they're massive yeah they. They've just tried to start this narrative a couple of weeks ago about Ramsdale. And I don't know if you've picked up on this, but some like there's been a few things that's like starting to circulate about like, oh, Ramsdale yeah. just dies for the cameras or and like there's a few and they've done about four yeah. different memes over games that have been pretty routine about like Ramsdale being actually crap and he just died. And it's just like what? There is nothing that the stat there's no stats that back yeah. this up. It's just a ridiculous like fan thing. Clearly they're gonna spurs. I don't know what they are. Um, they're probably just kids as well, to be honest, mate. Yeah. But uh, I just want to give Dick of the Day to them because it's a narrative <laughs> that's quite frankly ridiculous. And back off, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, back off our keeper. We know he's good. Yeah, like, um, you're just jealous. Exactly, so, mate. like, you wanted him to be bad. So, you know, um, it's it's just a shame that he's not because everyone loves memeing on Arsenal. So, um, and when, it, when we're winning, it's not fun <laughs> for them. So, um, exactly. my dick of the day is actually nothing to do with Arsenal or the Newcastle game, but I have to, Hit me. but I have to do it because it's just a crime against football. And my dick of the day is Jorginho for coming third in the Ballon d'Or race, because I have no idea. How that is that, a joke. Yeah. I have no idea how that's happened and it still annoys me and it's actually making me very angry right now. <laughs> oh, he missed the penalty in the final. Yeah. He hasn't been as good as both Mendy, Mendy and Kante in his own team. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely mental. And especially, and, um, as, yeah, especially over um, Benzema finished fourth, who I thought... Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and Benzema had an incredible season. And overall, it would be better. <laughs> I can name probably 10 players who had a better season than um, Jorginho. And um, oh, yeah, man, easy. it's literally just because it does seem to be about trophies. Oh yeah, it is a hundred percent about trophies. But like, then what's the point in it being an individual prize? Do you know what I mean? It just seems like, are you going to do the best player, or are you going to do the best performing player in a team that's won? Well, like, I, and I know that there's I, a good players have a massive influence on that, but you know, yeah, I, I yeah, I guess it, it's difficult because I think they wait international tournaments a lot um for these awards yeah so because, because it's a fifa thing international tournaments i know i know the euros is uefa but because it's a feat like the world cup i remember james rodriguez who had a, i think a quite a poor season with monaco before he went around madrid but because he had that world mm. cup with colombia he finished quite high in the Bandor race and i think a lot of people because they have good world cups will finish high up in 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 the Bandor race yep. so um 
or, or international tournaments. So Jorginho, I think it's it's pretty much purely because of his his Euros, where I don't even think he was that amazing anyway. And it, it, potentially it could be because of the Champions League as well, because obviously Chelsea won the Champions League. We don't like to mention that, but True. but um, but again, yeah. if if there was anyone you were going to pick out of that side, pick Kante. Like he was the one that um, that made like done the better job really um than Jorginho yeah I I agree and it's a bit of a farce and I hate Chelsea and I hate Jorginho yeah. so um good dick of the day that <laughs> very good dick of the day thank you <laughs> um sure we've got got a couple of questions we've been going nearly an hour so let's do maybe just a few minutes of this yeah. um so there are a few to be honest there's so many about Tierney and Tavares I, th- I think we've covered that yeah um so let's go to. There's a couple of questions about like Abamyang's replacement in the long term. So yeah. Shreyas B10 says, is it time to sub Abamyang? But really, Ember underscore finest has said, are we signing a number nine striker in January? But I think this really sort of opens up the question of who do we think is going to be a good long term placement replacement for for Abamyang? So. To answer the question about January, I don't think we'll sign a striker in January. I I don't think that was going to that that will happen because I think that signing is going to be so big, like it will be a big transfer that I think it will happen in the summer because that's when big transfers happen. Um, in terms of the replacement, I've I've always stated I re- I really like Dominic Calvert Lewin. And I know he's a completely different striker. He's very, very like strong, physical, and he he sort of belongs in it. Maybe a different side to this Arsenal side, but he's just someone I really, really like and really admire. That I would want him in my side more often than not. Yeah. So he he's the I one. Think he's good. Yeah. Mm. He he is good. I I worry that he's had one and a bit good seasons and a massive injury. Yeah. And his price his price tag will be absolutely enormous. Um, so I think the risk on whether or not he's a one season wonder slash two injured slash yeah. could well be really good. It's it's such a big gamble for probably the most important thing we need right now. Um, so that's the only thing that worries me about him. But having said that, I I suddenly have such good trust in Edu and the team that I think they'll have done their homework. And if they make whatever decision they make, I I suddenly have quite a lot of confidence in in what they'll do. I I love Vlahovic, the um, the guy you know at the moment. Like he is, he looks like a, an yeah. animal. Now look, I've looked no further than YouTube and stats, but sometimes that's all you need to get excited about a player, right? It only takes you to watch one Welcome to Arsenal YouTube compilation and you're off. Um, and he's going to be looked at by the biggest and the best, so it's going to be difficult. But I do think in a European market that's that's got extremely limited funds at the moment, you know, throwing in a 70 million, which I don't think is out of the yeah. realms of possibility for Arsenal, I think that's their next big thing, like you say. And a Vlahovic or yeah. Ivan Tony, who I know has been talked about quite a lot. Um, I think, you know, those are the players I, I really am going for. I mean, it all changes if we get top four, right? It opens it up us to a whole new level of player that we're probably not quite able to get hold of quite yet. Um, what do you what do you think of the age profile? Because obviously we've had a very consistent purchasing of people below the age of 23, 
typically English. You know, like I would. What do you think it's going to be the same? No, I think I think a striker will be. It won't be like thirty or anything, but it'll be more twenty five, twenty six. I think for striker, I don't think you can have a twenty unless yeah. they're completely elite. But if they're twenty three and they're like incredible, then they're probably out of our market unless we get into the Champions League. So. Um, so it will be a striker about twenty five, I think. I think the youngest striker that like I sort of seen seen we've been linked with is Jonathan David, and I think he's like twenty two. So everything else, yeah. like you, you got Ivan Tony, who's been linked with us. I think he's twenty five. Um, Calvert Lewin's twenty four, and Vlavic is I think he's, he's around that age as well. Um, Isaac as well, Alexander Isaac. He's someone mm. who I think is he does tick a lot of the boxes. Martin Odegaards can play a good part with that because um, they were teammates at Sociedad when Odegaard was on loan. So um, maybe he can convince him to come to Arsenal because um, Odegaard seems to really like Arsenal. Um, or he can that would be great. Or he can convince his Norwegian t- teammate to come, um, one Harland, um, who, who who would be <laughs> great. Um, but that's me just dreaming, of course. So, um, but yeah. He's got to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He's got to go somewhere. Exactly. Like, you know, and if we can pay it, uh, who knows? We'll see. But I think United really are the next people that need a big-time striker to, to go through the middle. I think he'll go there. So, yeah. who knows, mate? Actually, they could say the same thing about City, to be fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good question. So, to be fair, it's a really interesting one. I'm looking forward to see how that develops. So, um, who else? I did have a good question here. Um, uh, where is this question now? I feel really bad. Where? Okay, well, I mean, there is a lot of questions. I mean, there's one here from um, Anthony Tippe uh, saying, where do you think we'll finish at the end of the season? Yeah. Noel says, are we going to get in the Champions League this season? And there is one more that does say, so forgive me. Here we go. So Solomon Asif says, also, how far do you think we are as a team from being top European club again, i.e. Champions League? Um, where do I think we'll finish in the league? I think I said fifth at the start of the season, and I think I still back fifth. I don't think we'll get top four. I think mm. I would like us to obviously be in the top four race, but I think where we were last season to hopefully where we will be at the end of this season, the most important thing is getting back into Europe and being a European team again. And if we can get top four and that's Champions League football, then it's obviously great. But I think, obviously, it depends on how, like, if we're top four all the way till the last game of the season, we do a Leicester and we finish fifth, then that's obviously very disappointing. But if we're, like, in the top four, like, we're fighting for top four, we're just outside and we just miss it, then I think you can at least say, oh, well, maybe next year we can do um, better. So, um Fifth is what I said at the start of the season. I'm standing by that currently. I, I, I think people mentioning top four is still very too early because um, we've only played 13 games. So if we're there in, in yeah. March, then yes, I, I would understand the top four race. But we're not there yet. There's still so much of the season to go. In in terms of how yeah. how far away we are from a top European club, I mean, we're still a good two three years at least away from that 
because you look at Liverpool, you look at Manchester City, you look at Chelsea, and they are teams who are just on a different planet to us. And the football that Liverpool play, I, uh, I watch Liverpool quite a bit because um, I have family support in Liverpool, and they play really good football, and it's just so good. They have such quality of a player as well. You you need a combination of really good tactics and also a really good coach with tactics and also really good talent as well. And I think that our talent's building because it's very young. It's still developing. And the coaching is also developing as well because he's such a young manager. And I think a lot of people obviously made their minds up about him, Mikel Arteta. But obviously, please don't forget that he's a manager that is very young, learning as well. He's obviously going to get better. And I think you've seen that this season with some of his... um, decisions or off the pitch in terms of like substitutions I think he's been much better with them this season uh, I think he's been much better with his lineups as well so it's going to take a few years before we're, we're back there let's get back into Europe first hopefully the Champions League and then let's see where we can go from there um, because this is but luckily the squad should hopefully stay together but if not we would get money for them but uh, at least the future is looking a a little bit more bright you can see the light at the end of the tunnel rather than it just being pitch black yeah Uh, it's it's a really interesting time to be a football fan particularly someone from England in the Premier League because I think in all honesty the Premier League is a higher quality than the Champions League right now and only four teams can get in from the Premier League and I think all of the Premier League teams are going to be there and they're about the end of the season bar perhaps Man United for the Champions League so it's it's one thing trying to get into Europe but once you're there you know it's it's I think you're already by default one of the top one of the top European clubs if you mean you know like I think it's only really Bayern abroad that we'd have to if we were in the top four, worry probably too much about because Real Madrid are looking well. I suppose Barcelona look like they're having a little bit of resurgence, but of recent or this season's form at least, and the kind of financial troubles they're having, they're all having to do reforms their own. I mean, Barcelona have got an extremely young side, yeah. very talented, great, but you know that's that's a top bracket anyway of of you know eight teams, absolute tops, and I think you'd have to say that we're probably. You know, if you're sixth in the Premier League, you're probably in the top 10 or 12 of Europe anyway. Yeah. Um, probably. I don't, it's, it's a very difficult one to measure. So, look, it's all about getting that fourth spot. And if we've got nothing else to focus on this season, I, I really think we should be aiming for it. It's, it's going to be unbelievably difficult, but I, I think it's very yeah. easy to forget that all of the teams around us have got an extremely difficult second half of the season. They've got, um, like, they're going away to Europe. West Ham are looking like they're absolutely plowing through. I think they're going to have a great season, but they'll drop off. Yeah, We're playing, we're in an unfortunate but also fortunate position to be playing a couple of teams around us in the last, I'm looking at now the fixtures, the last six games of the season. So the last six games are Southampton away. Yeah. Fine, Now you should expect three points from that. But perhaps they'll be battling for relegation. I don't know. We've got Man United at home. Now that's a six-pointer we've yeah. got West Ham away that's a six-pointer yeah. we've got Leeds at home they're fighting for their life but we should be winning that game Newcastle away assumably they'll be uh, fighting for their lives or even relegated at that point who knows and then we've got Everton at home so we've got a really good opportunity to do it in the yeah. running and before that we've. I, I don't know if you noticed about the fixtures this season I know we're rambling a bit at the moment but like we've got good banks of games and what I mean yeah. by that is like there's no 
crap, February, March, May, we have got all of the big teams. You know, they're spread out quite evenly. And, you know, even like the Newcastle game after 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 Liverpool this season was like, right, this is ego, lads. Like, go and go and sort yourselves out. You know, you've had a tough one. So um, I, do, I do think that we have slightly been kind on the fixture list this season. If we don't have any Europe, we've, we've just got to be going for it. So who knows, mate? Who knows? Um Last question. Yeah, is from Harry Richardson. Oh, go on. What were you going to say? Oh no, no. Um, uh, I was just about to say um, that. Yeah, if if we are, we we have to go for top four. That, that there is no doubt. I just, yeah, I'm still hesitant to say on the 30th of November that we are absolutely in a good chance of it because I still think there's a long way to go. No, I I, I agree, but I think I I, I don't think we will. But I think that absolutely has to be the goal. I think because we can do it. That's the thing. I think yeah. the issue is there are <laughs> there are a couple of other key teams that that can do it and probably should do it more than us. And I think Man United are probably the one who wants to do it still, personally. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I I think I think it just has to be that yardstick. I mean, I'm good. the one thing that, that Mikel Arteta is very good at is by going game by game, and that's the way it's going to get us there. But. We'll see. We'll see. Um, well, let's round it off by this last question, uh, which is from Harry Richardson, who says, you meet Gabrielle and Ben White in a bar. What drink do you buy them and why? Oh, good question. Um, I think Ben White is the classic, like, rum and Coke sort of guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's looking at his calories, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, I can, I can easily see Ben White being rum and Coke sort of guy. Um... Gabrielle, that's really yeah. really interesting. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of like an exotic drink, um, mm. that, but I can't really think. Well, I think um, I, I think Ben White is the kind of person that like if you ask for a beer, he comes back with a tequila. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. He, he'll come back with ten Jaeger bombs instead of five yeah, beers. Yeah. It's like, mate, come on. He he, I reckon he loves it. He loves it. And then by the end of that first one, he's already looking at which girls he can go and speak to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think he's a Jagerbomb tequila guy or yeah rum and coke would absolutely be up his street if he's sipping on something yeah, but yeah. yeah Gabrielle's Gabrielle's a tough one I feel like he might be like a fine like a really like fine whiskey or yeah. like what's that one that's like kind of a sweet um oh, is it, it bourbon oh, I wouldn't even know what to give no it's actually it's not even a whiskey it's a different drink liqueurs um, I don't know what I'm going to google here um, Contral. Okay. Is that what it's called? What's it called? Con. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head. I can't Google this. Con. Is that, is that a footballer? <laughs> Contral. Yeah. Fabio Contral. Coin Trow. Yeah. I was going to say. Coin Trow. Coin Trow. I, I don't know what it's called, but yeah. It, it's like kind of a sweet liqueur yeah. that's kind of a bit. Yeah. Just my thoughts anyway, mate. But um, you, who's yours for Gabrielle? Uh, yeah. I, I guess a whiskey's a good shout, actually. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's like an amaretto guy. Um, yeah, not yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I think yeah, I think whiskey is probably a really good shout for him. I think that's what I could see. We'll him. go whiskey because like go he's whiskey. definitely not a beer guy. Like I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Well, there you go. That's that's how you end a podcast, and and quite frankly, a very hectic day. So. Um, Let's let's yeah. leave it there. Let's get it out. I think we'll have it out by Wednesday morning. So by the time everyone's listening, it will be nearly one day until Man United away. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm not hopeful. I'm hopeful of three points, I should say. But I think we're going to come away with one. 
I'd like to come away with four yeah. points from these next two games. So, quick points prediction from you for the next two games. Um, so we've got Everton. I think we'll beat Everton away because um, they have the worst run in the league. And I know I'm tempting fate here, but I just don't think the fans, yeah. <laughs> the fans really yeah. like Rafa Benitez. And now he's gone on this like little bad run. I think that they are in big trouble in terms of like I think they'll sack Rafa very soon. So I think Arsenal can go there pretty confident. So I think we'll get three away, and then oh, I always feel like we'll lose at Old Trafford, and I don't want to predict a loss. So I'll just go safe and predict a draw. So I say four points. Okay. Yeah, I like four. I like four. I don't want to come back with three. I think we can get four points of these two games. Yeah. We're looking good. Um, you know, I'd like the win to come against Man United. Though, oh, yeah, just of because, course. Like, yeah. It's a six-pointer. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big game. And, um, and it's first, I think, more importantly, so we can continue our run. And, you know, a draw against Everton wouldn't, would be one of those that you could always just put in the bank and compartmentalise it. Yeah. You know, so. Alrighty. Well, look, Matt, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Cheers, mate, um, for having me. Have a good week. Hopefully less stress-free when it comes to internet and all that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. but, um, and, in, <laughs> and thanks everyone again for listening uh, enjoy your weeks Matt enjoy your week cheers uh, we'll mate. speak soon bye cheers all